In this episode, we remember September 11th, 2001, and its impact on America. You're listening to History Centricity. I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people... And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Tonight, I can report to the American people and to the world that the United States has conducted an operation that killed Osama bin Laden, the leader of Al-Qaeda, and a terrorist who's responsible for the murder of thousands of innocent men, women, and children. We give thanks for the men who carried out this operation, for they exemplify the professionalism, patriotism, and unparalleled courage of those who serve our country. And they are part of a generation that has borne the heaviest share of the burden since that September day. Let me say to the families who lost loved ones on 9-11 that we have never forgotten your loss, nor wavered in our commitment to see that we do whatever it takes to prevent another attack on our shores. And tonight, let us think back to the sense of unity that prevailed on 9-11. And welcome into another episode of History Centricity, where history is central and essential to how we view our world. I'm your host, Tony Craig, and I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Daryl Umphrey. Good morning. Glad to be here. Daryl is a historian and recently retired teacher and adjunct professor. He's got a bachelor's in history and political science and a master's in education. He's taught for over 40 years at the high school, junior college, and university level. And we're here today, Daryl, to talk more about September 11th, 2001. We both remember where we were on that day. Oh, yeah. What a day. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're just trying to pay homage and remembrance to those who perished as well as those heroes all the first responders, firefighters, police, um, not only at the World Trade Center, but also at the Pentagon and in the crash in the Midwest. In Shanksville. Yeah. yeah. So um, I personally remember exactly where I was. Um, 2001, 11, 12-year-old, 6th grader, out on the playground. Um, and I remember... All the teachers rushing out onto the playground, corralling us back into the school, back into the classroom, um, and then immediately calling our parents and uh, having our parents come and pick us up. I remember some fellow classmates actually had um, their dad or their mother worked uh, at the Pentagon. And so that was a very wow. scary, wow. Um, yeah. very scary. Uh, people were crying. Um, and then I remember watching... I think the second plane I uh, was watching live uh, when the second plane hit. Um, so that was just, it was a very confusing time, very scary. But at that age, it was kind of like, uh, I just didn't know what was happening. And I don't think many people did. No, there was a lot of people that didn't know what had gone on. I can remember it very vividly. Um, teaching At that time, I was teaching math at Stone Middle School. And there was a lady down the hallway. They called her Dragon Lady, but uh, <laughs> I won't give the name, so she knows who she is. But um, she was like my heavenly sandpaper on politics. 
And so we would discuss politics and we would send notes back and forth to each other yeah. about Bush and Gore <laughs> and Ross Perot, who had run for president under their third party. And um, that particular day, uh, she sent me a message on this little sheet of paper by a student and said, um, the World Trade Center has been bombed. Oh, wow. And I thought, okay, this is a cruel joke. Maybe, you know, she was carrying it a little, which we did. We carried things a little too far. And um, at, at that time, every classroom had a TV in it. And so she said, uh, no. I said, I sent a note back, said, is this a joke? What class were you teaching? Um, I think it was a math class. If, as I recall, I'd had a history class right before then. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was uh, math at that time. I had a general math class. Oh, wow. And um, she said, no, this is not a joke. Turn your TV on. And so we turned the TV on. But then there was so much consternation with the kids. And the kids were starting to kind of get what was going on. Oh, really? And so we pulled them all, I guess, probably 60 to 80 kids all in a double classroom Mm -hmm. and run two TVs. And like you were talking about, because people were coming in and checking people out. Yeah. And so that was a central place to keep everybody. Um, But it's interesting that you said some didn't know what was going on. Uh, You as an 11 or 12-year-old, a lot of us didn't either. And in fact, as as we watched this on TV, I remember watching the second um, uh, plane going into the second tower. And I had been working with some of the kids and talking with some of the kids and checking some of them out and so mm-hmm. forth. And yeah. I said, yeah. oh, look at that. You know, they're, re- they're showing it again. And one of my um, students you said. thought it was a replay. I thought it was a replay from the news agency. And one of the students said, no, no, Mr. Humphrey, that's not a replay. That's a second plane. Oh, wow. Well, at that point, that's when we all knew mm-hmm. that this was up to then. They had talked about it like a plane that lost control and went into the tower, in which we had talked a lot about um, how does a plane lose control over New York City and somebody not know it's going into the tower? Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah. we thought it was just an accident. And, of course, the kids were very upset. And we were talking, the kids were even talking about, well, how do they rescue those people that are above the floors where it went in? Mm -hmm. And I had to be velvet gloves with it because there was not going to be any rescue. Yeah. I mean, how would you rescue somebody on a hundredth floor of a building? Yeah. And some of the kids even talking about, oh, well, they could fly a helicopter over and... You know, because oh, wow. they'd seen it on TV with yep. with people. In fact, there had been some, you know, about towers blowing up and so mm-hmm. forth. Yeah. But then it got to be really real for the kids because a lot of the kids that I had, this being in Huntsville, um, they their parents were stationed out on the arsenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we had some that hid under desks. We had some that was hysterical because they didn't know what was coming next. Mm-hmm. Like, are we next? Um, so it was a it was a frightful time, but we finally knew after that second plane hit those towers, it was like, okay, it's on. Oh yeah, <laughs> we we have been attacked, 
And, of course, that's something we could talk about with the kids at that time, too, because they had never realized any type of an attack on the United States. Of course, you had, you know, December 7th, 1941. Yep. And that was the last time, really, we'd had an attack on Mm -hmm. the U.S. Now, we had had terrorism and bombs, but this is something different. (laughs) So, going back to the speeches that we heard at the very beginning, George W. Bush and... Uh, Obama, of course, those are two very linked. They link together very well as far as one being um, the direct address a couple days after September 11th, and then the other one providing closure for um, the terrorist that was directly linked to September 11th. Right. So um, tell us a little bit about what you recall the atmosphere being like in New York City on top of the rubble with the president visiting Ground Zero a couple days later. Yeah, well, obviously when when things happened as it did, um, of course you have the the clips of Bush in Florida, I believe it was, with a classroom. Yeah, when he first was told the news. Yeah, when they first told him. And for number one, you know, just the way that he handled himself. Even with that situation, that could have just... Yeah, he like finished reading to the class or something Yeah, like yeah that, they right? were doing a reading exercise, and yeah. he finished it up and gave them attention and talked to the teacher and everything, then went out, was briefed, and then had the speeches. Oh, wow. Uh, there, you know, yeah. and at the school, but he didn't go into great detail. But I, I thought we saw all that firsthand. Yeah. And so... Um, you know, I thought he was um, handling himself very well as a leader. Of course, it's kind of interesting because I don't know if everybody knows, maybe there's some out there that don't know, but the 2000 election was a chaotic election. Mm-hmm. And the Supreme Court had to rule who won that presidential election. Mm-hmm. And yep. so a lot of people felt like Bush had stolen the election. So a lot of people didn't have confidence in him? Right. And so they, uh, I guess that's probably one of the first times that you really see him that at that school kind of taking control of things. And then immediately, of course, nobody knew what was going on. So all planes were landed. That first time in our history, we had every single plane went down mm-hmm. for two days. Flights yeah, were, were canceled. Grounded. Yeah. Grounded. And so... Air Force One was still up with him. And so that was when two or three days later was the speech. So they took him up in Air Force One from Florida. Yes. Yeah. And they were just doing like a holding pattern? I think they did just a holding pattern around that. I don't think they ever, um, for a day or so, landed anywhere or whatever. They did not want to put in... Everybody in the White House, because somebody thought maybe the White House was going to be a target. Of course, yeah. And the, the Capitol Pentagon. was a target for that one in, that um, was grounded in Shanksville. Yeah. So uh, the White House would have been uh, a prime target. So you don't put president, vice president, cabinet, and everybody else together yeah. in a place. Uh that speech in in New York that then that came out um, it, it was very interesting. The words that he used because it was very key 
for people to be very quiet around ground zero so they could hear if there was still any survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I read about something and saw some of the clips or whatever that the one survivor, he had actually come out uh, four stories up on top of rubble oh, wow. with a broken leg, I believe he said. Uh, and he survived all this, but wow. a broken leg, but it, you know, four stories up, how are you going to get somebody to hear you? Broken leg, can't see you. And so a lot of the things were connected with hearing, and they would send microphones down in the cavities to yeah. try to hear if there was any survivors, which I, I can't imagine, you know, what. Trying to find them. Find, yeah. Trying to find them and trying to locate them. So when that speech comes around, you know, uh, Perfect words. I hear you. Whole world hears you. <laughs> I think they interviewed the guy who uh, you can hear yell, and I think he said that he was in the back, and it was a bunch of the rescue workers that were working. Yes, around there. Yes. FDNY was there, of course, um, and this guy was in the back, and he couldn't hear, and but he wanted to hear the president. And yeah. So he said. Mr. President, we can't hear we you. Can't hear you. And that's what kind of sparked this whole um, grabbing iconic, the grabbing the bullhorn and grabbing the bullhorn. And, and, and again, a confidence builder. I mean, this man is taking control. Yeah. Uh, so whether you supported him or not, whether you believed in what went on and the controversy with Supreme Court and so forth, this was his telling time. And I remember thinking, you know. We have a leader. There's going to be something done. This is war. Yeah. And that's a scary thought right there. Um, and going back to what, when we were in those classrooms with those kids, a lot of those had parents that were in the military. And it didn't escape them that somewhere down the line, this was going to affect them. Yeah. That they were going to be at risk. That's pretty heavy. That's heavy. I mean, we're at war. I, that had never, no one had ever seen that. Even I had never seen the outbreak of, of yeah. war come about in that way. Yep. And then I remember George W. throwing out the first pitch at Yankee <laughs> Stadium because yeah. all sports had been canceled. All major sporting events where large crowds would be had been canceled for a day or two. I remember that, and then I remember watching the first pitch, because this came right in the middle of the end of the baseball season. Yes. Um, And so I remember him donning a Yankees jacket going up on the mound, and you know how some celebrities bounce it on the plate or throw it way wide. Oh, yeah. And miss. Yeah. This was a strike. He threw it right down. Straight down the middle. (laughs) Right down the middle. I remember that, too. And that's... The pitch that America needed. Yes. So, yeah. And I remember that, that was a fond memory and something that really brought America together, along with his leadership from the rubble of Ground Zero. Well, bringing um, America together also in, in the aspect that more and more people started actually watching what was going on firsthand. Yeah. And that had not occurred. Huh, yeah. We we had heard okay things since Vietnam, and and all the things that we saw firsthand, there had not really been a lot, and now you've really got 
you know, a lot that is being shown. Um, what's happening? What's going on? Even Shanksville, and I mm-hmm. mean, for days, that's all that was. That's all that that was. And what a tragedy there too. Yeah. Oh yeah, twenty twenty four hours of of just um, over and over, but different items that created consternation and fear. And like, will this ever end? Yeah. I mean, it was bad enough to see the two planes hit the two towers. Then we saw the Pentagon, yeah. which a lot of people had accused that 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 was just an explosion. There wasn't another plane involved, but yeah. there was, yeah, very definitely. Know. I remember that. Then we heard about the Shanksville. Nobody knew about Shanksville yeah. until later, and they said, oh, there was another. Well, and was that, that plane headed somewhere? That was the one supposedly headed to the Capitol. Oh, okay. To the Capitol building, yeah, um, and um, the, heard about it, and then that brings up a lot. Well, are there more? Yeah, because they had not grounded the planes as of yet, mm-hmm. um, and that was another thing because we had we had two or three staff members that were on a trip of planning and things like that out to Texas at the time. Mm-hmm. And they were grounded somewhere in Louisiana or Arkansas, somewhere I think it was. Yeah. Um, so we as teachers had a problem with that, you know. So let's make the connection between the George W. Bush speech and the Obama speech. What exactly was going on there with the mission to kill Osama bin Laden? From from what I understand and from what I remember, and that was like. Five years later? Yeah, about five, five years. Five or six years yeah. later. Because um, George W. had it, left the White House. Yeah. Uh, not not a lot was known about this. I mean, yeah, we're after him. Yeah, and Obama takes office, and then... Right. So uh, it took us a while. To, it took, well, he kept moving. Yeah. And, and it's interesting there, because I remember all the broadcasts when he would talk about... Uh, uh, Burying the capitalistic and U.S. and the imperialistic or whatever, and wearing his big Gucci watches or whatever they were, you know, oh, yeah. and so forth. Yeah. So we we saw a lot of newsreel footage, and he was a mastermind at coming in at certain times in yeah. order to get his point across. Do you think they designed the whole attack to be on nine eleven because of nine one one and those calls, or is that just something that just that would kind of made up? sense, wouldn't it? Been <laughs> nice, but I don't know. And and by then you didn't have well. Let's put it this way: the patriotism and the unification came immediately in our country. after the incident. Yeah, yeah in our in country. The US, yeah, but by five years, you had a lot of people still was forgetting about it. Yeah. I remember very vividly, you know, we trying to keep those memories alive each year about never forget yep. and so forth because people just tend to forget. And so there wasn't a big, yeah, we wanted to get rid of him, but uh, I think a, a lot of things, number one, you know, okay, you can get rid of him, but he's not the entire problem either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is just one man. And from what I understand, a lot of the uh, people of Muslim faith was not for 
what he was doing. Oh yeah, it was the extremists. That, yeah, they were not they the were against Muslim him, so he faith. had to run all the time from people. And so um, I remember more about um, the U.S. and some of those trying to get Gaddafi than I do remember about Osama bin Laden. Oh yeah, just all of a sudden. Because he was just, well, he had the money, he had the power, he had the influence. I mean, you know, let's face it, he's a Saudi Arabian mm-hmm. millionaire or whatever, has all the money, yeah, all the opportunity. But we we saw clips, and, and the, I can't remember the newscaster's name, but somebody interviewed him. And so it wasn't like we didn't know he existed, but we were after him, but then when Everything came down like it did, like it did, and then Obama has told the the country, you know, we got him. But a lot of people still, okay, <laughs> you got him. You got one man, yeah, and you probably have created a hornet's nest. Yeah, and we can talk a whole lot longer on the whole the, situation it, it, where it got us <laughs> in the Middle East. Yeah, uh, starting way back. In the Clinton administration, right? Oh, yeah. Probably further back than that. Yeah, further back than that. Yeah. So um, just a a radically ongoing situation. Yeah, basically since the creation of the nation of Israel in 48, 1948. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I I just remember, okay, we we did get it. I mean, it was a joyous time, yeah. I don't know. It was kind of funny, the fact that we're cheering that, we killed a man like we killed a man. Yeah. But then think about the thousands that he engineered and their deaths. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's no doubt that he engineered their deaths. Yeah. There's plenty more we can talk about as far as everything that is surrounding historically the events of 9-11 and yep. the events of the killing of bin Laden and the whole Middle East issues at hand. Um, which we will get to, uh, and uh, it's been great reminiscing again, uh, remembering. I won't say it's fun remembering, but it's it's been good to remember that it was 19 years ago. Yeah, I'm coming up on the 20th anniversary next year. Yeah. So um, it doesn't seem that long ago. Don't know. But thanks again for joining us. Sure. And uh, we'll look forward to some more conversations in the near future. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. As always, please check out HistoryCentricity.com for more info. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. On behalf of Daryl and I, I'm your host, Tony Craig, and this is History Centricity. History Centricity.